Here we are with our inaugural episode of Terror and Tacos. I am Christy Vela. I am Michael Federico. And before we start talking about the movie we're going to talk about, I'm just going to let you know what I'm eating because after all, this podcast is about terror and tacos. So this morning we decided to just go around the corner from my house and go to Tacos y Mas, Dallas Institution. And I did not get... I did not get tacos. I got a, a torta. That looks really good. It's very delicious. It's m- one of my favorite sandwiches in the world, and it's just uh, like it's kind of like a Mexican style chicken fried steak sandwich, and it has avocado and tomato and lettuce and cheese and um, yeah and steak. I so, uh, I just went with the Presidente, which is a grilled beef taco. It's fucking delicious. Uh, so good. On um, flour, I see. You might be disappointed in me for getting no, flour. Is that all right? All. We're from Texas. Okay. We're from Texas, and you know. Sometimes I'll go corn, but there's sometimes I just really want a flour. A flour tortilla. Yeah. And I think if you're getting the flour tortilla at a place like Tacos y Mas, which is totally authentic, then it's okay. All right. But, like, you know, if you're getting flour tortillas at... Tom Thumb or something like it's that. It's not not good. Yeah. Not super good. And I had a conflict. I was like, oh, but it's no, working. It's totally good. We should probably say this is not sponsored. We just really love tacos y mas. Right. <laughs> we just really love tacos. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today we're going to talk about one of our favorite movies. I think we decided to, to talk about The Omen. Yes. The original 1976. Gregory Peck. Lee Remick, um, mostly because Mike and I were both brought up Catholic, and um, yeah, Catholic stuff freaks, freaks me us out. out. Yeah, yeah freaks I mean, us out. it was almost because when we talked about, hey, what movie should we start with? It was almost like we didn't even have to have a conversation. Right. We both just went with the omen. Right. Um, because we were both raised so Catholic. Um, and that it still freaks us out. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember the first time you saw it? Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I know I was like twelve or thirteen, and it must have been on HBO um, because, and I wasn't allowed to watch HBO at the time, especially if it was movies like The Omen or stuff like that. Right. And um, I tricked my mom. I remember. Um, into letting, in, not not into letting me watch it, but you know, I told her I would be watching something else and then kind of watch the Omen instead. We used to go to my aunt's house because she had a she had HBO. We did not, and um, so we'd go over there on Sundays, which was super traditional. And and I'd go into the den while the adults were talking and drinking coffee or, or beer in the kitchen. Right. And I would watch movies on H- on HBO, and The Omen was one of them. And just the opening, the the every time I hear the music, Ave Satanis, Hail Satan. Yes. Um, it freaks me out. Me too. I had almost almost the opposite experience of how I got to see it the first time. I was eleven or twelve. Oh my god. Um, but this is what's this is what's fucking crazy. Uh, my mom who is not into horror movies Mm -hmm. and was not by any means like my 11 year old boy should be watching horror (laughs) movies showed me 
the omen, and I am convinced, I swear to God, I am convinced because my mom is super Catholic. Uh, I'm convinced that my mother doesn't see the omen as a horror movie, but legitimately sees it as like a teaching tool. A cautionary tale. Yes. The devil is real. The antichrist is coming. We must be vigilant. Wow. So like, I watched this movie with my mom wow. when I was 11 years old. And my mom got like, she's awesome. I love my mom. Um, had no idea. I was convinced I was the fucking antichrist watching this movie. <laughs> like, I was, and not because I was evil, just like I was like, I'm 11 years old. Yeah. It, it was nuts. I'm like looking, trying to search my hair. Like, do I have right. the mark of the beast? Right. Especially, I think because, you know, I don't know you and me, but you probably also, we've had this conversation before. I have always been more attracted to the antagonists of our world than the protagonists yeah. of our world. And especially if they're complicated. And I think a little kid who has no control over his destiny is definitely a complicated <laughs> villain yeah. in a movie. I mean, when I was little and taking, you know, when when you're Catholic, back in the time, I don't know how they do it now because I'm not Catholic Yeah, anymore. me neither. But, you know, when I was little, you had to take your first Holy Communion classes and you, you did your first Holy Communion in the second grade when you were like eight years old. And mm -hmm. um, so you had to take, you prepared for half a year to do your first Holy Communion. You took class with the nuns and stuff like that. And I remember the nuns telling us in one of these classes that if you went to take communion without confessing, um, that snakes and frogs would come out of your mouth. Right. And so me being me, I was like, I am going to test this theory. <laughs> and so I didn't. I didn't go to confession that one week. And the next day I was like, I'm going to go up and take, take, communion. take communion. And uh, nothing happened. So Snakes and frogs did not come out of your mouth? Did not come out of my mouth. Damn. So I was super disappointed. And that was the beginning of like the Catholic Church lies, lies. to you. Yeah. yeah. I, and I remember being 11 and like thinking, I'm... For those of for, I guess we should say for anyone who doesn't know, the plot of The Omen is essentially Gregory Peck and Lee Remick have their their baby dies and it gets replaced with right. the Antichrist. I guess we should talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Greg Peck is a, an ambassador or whatever mm -hmm. to England, Italy, and then England. But uh, yeah, I remember thinking like I'm the I'm the Antichrist and not being being a little freaked out, but kind of wanting to be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like. Then realizing, like, oh, oh, when I was man. a little older, if I, yeah, it's like, if I were the Antichrist, I probably wouldn't suck at math. <laughs> and maybe that girl would talk to would me. Would talk to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have to work super so hard, hard right? at, at, at things. But the thing you say about the complex villain, one of, I know I'm skipping way ahead. No, that's fine. Rewatching it, I think one of the most effective things is, of the movie is, if if you buy in, if you buy in that Damien is 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 the Antichrist mm -hmm. and he has to be stopped, he's because he's what five or six, you think? Mm -hmm. He's a little boy. By the time the movie gets going, he's about five, five or, or six. six. So if you buy into that, you as an audience member are asked to literally root for Gregory Peck to murder this child, to murder a child who has ostensibly been his son. Right, and it's that. I think is one of the most interesting things about the movie. And then mm -hmm. even Damien has that little moment at the end where Peck is trying to get him to kill him yeah. with the sacred knife or whatever. And he's like, 
daddy please or stop daddy please and it's like whoa shit man i've been rooting for this dude to kill his kid that's fucked up right and right oddly effective oddly effective the 70s did that man you know there's there's a a, a rule there, kind of an unwritten unknown rule i guess before the 70s that you never showed a child getting killed on film right that was just something and you it, didn't it, do right and now you see it commonly yeah. and violently, which is always kind of, you know, astounding. We just watched Mother, which in yeah. which something oh, yeah. terrible happens. Oof. But we will probably cover that at some right. point. Right. But you know, these films in the seventies really started kind of uh, just really going there. Right. A at least talking about it. At least you know this is a viable thing that we have to do. The interesting thing about that I found about this movie. Is okay, so yeah, maybe we should talk about so Gregory Peck and Lee Remick are a married couple. The movie opens, they're in Italy, he's the ambassador to Italy, he has aspirations of, of you know going high up in, in the government. His, and, the president of the United yeah. States was his college roommate, right? Exactly, and so he also has aspirations. Maybe, well, we know that Lee Remick, his wife, does, right? So the movie opens, he gets assigned. Um, Ambassador to England, and they move to England. And uh, but while they're in Italy, Lee Remick has a baby, unbeknownst to her, the baby dies in childbirth. He has a, a conversation with a creepy Italian, creepy Italian priest, a creepy Italian priest uh, that says, "Hey, there was a baby born. The mother died the exact same moment that your son died." And Gregory Peck is like, I can't lie to her, blah, blah, blah. And the priest says one of my favorite lines, on this day, God gave you a son. Yeah. That's creepy, man. Yeah. Like, for some reason, that, that line to me is super effective. And so Gregory me Peck too. says, okay, takes the baby to Lee Remick. She thinks it's her son. And then the events of the movie start. But they really don't get started until his fifth or sixth birthday. Birthday, yeah. Right. That's And we have a quick little, like, montage of, like, pictures. Um, real quick before we get to the birthday. Uh-huh. Uh, you, uh, you and I are both children of the 70s and 80s, mm -hmm. so I really appreciated this. I was watching it last night, and there's this part where Remick and Pac, before we get to the birthday are like walking with Damien along this river or stream. Right. And then they just, they're like having a chat about him having to travel. And then all of a sudden they're like, shit, where is our son? Right. Did we drop him in the river? Uh, and then, you know, they find him. But I was like, that to me is kind of awesome. Just remembering you and I talk about this a lot, like growing up, in maybe the last couple decades where your parents are like, I don't fucking know where they are. I don't know, know if I don't are. fucking know where they are. Yeah, they're like, literally, like, that kid is three, you're walking along running water. <laughs> and you're talking about his future, right. but you don't know where the kid where is. Where the kid is. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. So we get to the birthday, which is, I think, I don't know, would you say the most iconic moment from the movie or why? I think so. I, I, I think do it, too. I think it is the most iconic moment in the movie. I mean, which is the, you uh, it's all for you, Damien, which, you know, there's, there's a carousel and there's slides and there's clowns and there's lots of photographers. And, you know, this kid clearly gets a lot of attention because of who he is. And the, one of the reporters even makes a comment about him being the second coming, uh, yeah. of course, still unbeknownst to everybody. And then Lee Remick notices that the nanny, um, is 
basking too much, I guess, in the glory of, of Damien's picture being taken by everybody. And so Lee Remick takes him away from the nanny. The nanny disappears into the house. And like five minutes later, you just hear her uh, call from the window in front of all the children, in front of everybody. Damien, Damien, look at me, Damien. It's all for you, Damien. And she jumps from the third floor of the house, hanging herself in front of all of the children and all of the people. Yeah. And um, yeah. It's, I still think it's, it's the most, to me, I think it's still the most effectively terrifying moment of, of the movie. Right. And Silence follows afterwards. Yeah. You know, and, they and were the really smart. In front of just children. children. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting because I guess we're going to move further to the next movies at some point. But, you know, there's that moment after she does it and they pan the crowd and everybody's really silent. And there's a whole group of kids that are just looking at her and they look like Salem's Lot kids. You know, they're just kind of like (laughs) staring and everybody's quiet. And in Omen 3 Final Conflict, there's a point made by Damien, who is an adult at the time, about the children. About right. young people and how we dismiss them. I don't know. I just think it's a really odd parallel how much attention is paid to children in, in the first in one. The first, uh, yeah. And then it, 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 you know, we hear more about it. Yeah. And I, um, I was watching it. That, that, I don't know. That scene still gets me. And there's like, there's more violent deaths, obviously. Like the way they're all super violent. The way the priest goes mm-hmm. in the crazy storm. He's, um, you know, and the interesting thing that I picked up today that I had not picked up before, and I don't know why. It's crazy because it's a huge plot point, is that the priest also has the the birthmark yeah. on his inner thigh. Yeah, the same birthmark that Damien does. So Damien has a birthmark on his head, which is how Gregory Peck is able to confirm that he is indeed the Antichrist. Yeah, the sign of the beast. Uh-huh. Yeah, so you have the priest, who is the second doctor from Doctor Who, by yes, the way. Yes, Patrick <laughs> yeah. um, Super famous. Trying to re- redeem himself. You know, he even says, I think, you know, Peck is like, why are you doing this? And he's like, you know, so Christ will forgive me. Um, and he's got that creepy room with all his with crucifixes. With all the crucifixes and... The walls are covered with Bible pages. But he has a crazy violent death. Yeah, so we were talking about the deaths in the movie. You know, the, the, the first nanny throws herself out the window. The priest gets impaled by a lightning rod yeah, in sure, the like you do. Yeah. of a church. Uh-huh. And later they find out he's riddled with cancer on the inside yes. or something. Uh, Lee Remick gets thrown over the banister of her beautiful mansion. mansion. And then later on gets thrown out the window of the hospital. Uh, the photographer gets, gets decapitated. decapitated. Um, they're all really, really violent. Really violent. Yeah, and for some reason, despite all of that, the, the nanny hanging herself, jumping out the window, is, is the one that I still think is the scariest. It's the scariest. In in the first one. In the second one, I really and i have i can't watch the second one because i don't have a copy of it and i refuse to get hbo right now i'm gonna have to give in so i can watch westworld but i'm not ready yet um the second one the the female reporter that gets her eyes picked Pecked out by the birds yeah, and out then the there's the dude the who gets trapped under the ice yeah which oh my god me. oh my god so yeah so then at the end of the movie you know gregory peck you know finally gets on board with this crazy idea of his kid being the Antichrist, and he goes to visit this anthropologist. 
Bugenhagen. Bugenhagen. It's my favorite character. Yeah. In a, a tiny little town in Italy. And uh, he says, oh, here are these sacred daggers and you've got to kill him. And Peck is conflicted because he's a child. I can't kill a child. And, uh, but he, he eventually does because his wife gets killed. Right. So he goes back to England gets rid of the nanny, right? Does yeah. he get rid of the new nanny, Mrs. Yeah. Oh, Blaylock? yeah, man. I mean, he and Mrs. Blaylock. Oh, that's right. Billy Whitelaw, who I'm obsessed with in an odd way. Yeah, I think I told you. I went down an internet rabbit hole and was like, dude, she Mrs. Was, Blaylock really is hot. Yeah. She was really good looking back in the time. And then I was like, well, she was a movie star. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so he, because he, he goes to grab Damien and Blaylock, Mrs. Blaylock comes yeah. out of nowhere and they, she like jumps on him and scratches him, but eventually right. he gets her um, and drags Damien to a church, right? Yeah, because he has to kill him on sacred, on sacred ground or whatever. Um, but before he can, and it's so crazy, it's like the, he's run a security stop. Right. And so the cops are following him. Mm hmm. And then said right before he can. Yeah, so tell us what, how, how it ends. So he pecked. He has the cops following. He drags Damien and like literally drags him into this church. This little boy puts him on the altar. Goes is about to stab him. Damien has a little daddy no, please. Uh -huh. um, and he hesitates and go right before he can uh, stab Damien. The cops come in and they shoot Gregory Peck. Yeah, and, and then that's we, why we have two and three. Yeah, and the last image is another sort of iconic image is. The funeral of Lee Remick and Gregory mm -hmm. Peck's characters, and Damien is with the president right. and the first lady. Right. And then he does his little turn and smile. That's and that crazy. Of, and then you hear the, oh. oh man. So, something really interesting is uh, there, I guess, in the original script, there were a lot of um, supernatural things that were taken out like there were cloven hoofed clowns and there were oh shit yeah, i did not know that and there were like scenes of witch covens and that sort of thing and richard donner uh, the director of the film insisted that anything that was remotely um supernatural be removed from the script because he really wanted all of these events to um feel and look like they could actually, actually happen. happen. Right. Which, you know, the whole stray dog. I mean, that movie ruined Rottweilers. For me, me too. I just, I, I'm terrified. I, I'm terrified of Rottweilers. Yeah. And, you know, this creepy Rottweiler dog shows up and just kind of looks at you. The Rottweiler never talks. The Rottweiler right. never does anything except do what a Rottweiler, what does. A Rottweiler does. And you're led to believe that the Rottweiler somehow has control sure. over these events yeah. that are happening. That movie taught me Rottweilers and British nannies are terrifying. Right, I, right. I mean, but like the natural, it implies that the natural world knows more than we do, I right. guess. There's a scene where they go to uh, the, Windsor Zoo. Dude, yeah. with, with the, the baboons, The right? baboons and the giraffes. Like, he walks up to the giraffes and the giraffes are like, fuck no. no yeah. And they turn around and run away. Right, right. Yeah. And then they get in the car and drive through the baboon habitat and the baboons go fucking, fucking nuts. Insane. They go yeah. fucking nuts. For that scene, they uh, took one of the baby baboons like they took a baby baboon away from the baboons Ugh. and they had it in the car with them and the baboons did not respond. They were like, man, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> Take the baboon. We don't care. 
but they removed the alpha baboon from the group. And then they went nuts. And they went nuts. That seems terrifying. Yeah. And I always, I kind of wonder, I feel like if, if it, something like that were done now, that would pop, I don't, like, that would be yeah. CGI or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't want to get it. Like, that That scene is terrifying. And Lee Remick, I actually read, like, she looks absolutely terrifying. I think she was. And she, I think she was. Yeah, yeah I, I think she was. Richard, huh? you know, there is a scene where, where Lee Remick gets thrown over the banister. There's a fishbowl. Right. And, like, you know, it's, like, so foreshadowing. She takes the big goldfish bowl and puts it on the banister. Right. And, like, you know that's bad news. Right. And Richard Donner insisted that... They, they were not going to kill goldfish in the film. Right. So the goldfish in the in the bowl are dead sardines painted orange. That's great. Well, good for him. I yeah. mean, it should not sacrifice. If no fish right. should be sacrificed. Right. Um, so, okay. So I don't know if you want to, if, if we want to talk about a little bit about the remake, which I, I will watch because I always feel like it's my responsibility to watch. Sure. It's been, you know, the remake of a movie that I love so much. Uh, sometimes it takes me years to watch it. Uh, I still have not seen the remake of Psycho. Um, I have. We we can talk about that at a later date. <laughs> um, but the remake of The Omen, the reboot with Le- Liev Schreiber and Julia, Julia Stiles. Stiles. I just don't understand why. I, I don't either. And I think you know, at some point, we can have we'll have a full discussion about why these remakes. Do they ever work? And if so, why? And um, I thought one of the this actually comes up. It, it was like right away the first choice they made was like, well, we can't have old people, right? So we'll make Leah Schreiber the like undersecretary of right. something, so he can be a younger man, and uh-huh. his wife can be. I assume Julia Stiles was what in her early thirties or something at the most. I, I guess because she looks twelve, right? And. Like right off the bat, I feel like it to me, loses power yeah, right there. It doesn't work. Uh, that particular pairing to me doesn't work for the story. The the tragedy of Lee Remick and Gregory Peck is that they're an older couple, right? And this is their last chance to have a kid. To have a kid, she's tried and tried. And they even there's even the part at the beginning uh, where the priest, before he gets super creepy, is like, you know, you could adopt a child. And 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 Peck says uh, she wanted her she own. She wanted her own. Yeah. You know? And um, it, it, yeah, it, it clearly is. This is something they've wanted for a long time, and and they are essentially, you know, running out of time. If right. I will tell you what I do like about the reboot. Well, I think I, I probably know. What yeah, I think you do too. We were talking about the iconic moment from the first one. The fact that the nanny that throws herself from the window in the second. Uh, Omen is Mia Farrow. Yeah, I I, I love that. Yeah, I do. I think that. it's one of the the greatest self referencing yes moments it's, in film. It's out. a lovely sort of nod. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, Mia Farrow uh, played Rosemary in Roman Polanski's Rosemary Baby. Yeah, um, and it's it's a really nice sort of mo- yeah. horror horror yeah. romance. You know. Right. Love letter to, to horror movie right. moment. And that's like my favorite movie. So at some point I know that we'll, we'll, we'll talk oh, about that one. I mean, and I, I think, um, you know, we could get it, it. It's, there was that, that era of horror still is, are some of my 
favorite. Yeah. You know. Me too. There was something going on like in the late sixties throughout the seventies that's like super occulty. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about this a little earlier. Uh, just want to revisit like age of characters. You know, in in that time, of course, we have. I mean, Rosemary's Baby is like sixty eight. And her and, and John Cassavetes play a young couple, but we also have Ruth Gordon and the older actor who are central to the plot line, and they're old. Yeah, um, <laughs> they are. They they're are. Straight they're straight up old. old. Man. Ruth Gordon got an Oscar for that movie, so whatever. And then we've got other movies that were made kind of in the same era in the seventies, like The Changeling mm-hmm. with George C. Scott, yeah. who's older. Uh, of course, The Omen, who centers around. Gregory Peck, who's older. older. Yeah. Um, Peck was, was was about almost 60, I think right around 60 when he made it. Yeah. And you couldn't, you can't, I don't think you can do that now. I don't, I don't either. Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know why, but it, it, I love it. Me too. It seemed, we seem to have gone a different, a different way <laughs> right. um, in that. Yeah. The way sort of youth is treated, especially in, in, in the horror genre. Right. Um, yeah, I, I love, I love that, that era. And like you said, it's like, it was very occulty. Uh, one of the things I love about like that as a snapshot of that, those like 10 years, you know, late sixties to the late seventies or whatever, like you and I talk a lot about some of the best horror movies. If you really watch, you can see what society was was afraid yeah, of absolutely and there seems to be in, in the 60s late 60s and late 70s this like this fear of a society that is turning away from christianity from god yeah from god yeah often it's catholicism in horror movies i think because as far as i mean we don't need to get into a whole thing but as far as the let's get into a whole yeah, thing as far as you know, Christianity goes, it is it is very it's actually ancient. It's filled with ritual, Absolutely. Um, and so it lends itself to that this right. sort of ancient thing. Well, then I think that for a long time, you know, the 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 dominant thought in the United States in England, because a lot of these movies are British, right, um, was that Christianity was the center of the universe. Yeah. you know, and people were not taking into account that there's like millions of people who are actually, actually like not. Buddhist. Yeah. There's millions of people who are actually Islamic, but in our myopic view of, you know, Christianity being like you're the center of the universe. Sure. To turn away from that is yeah. is awful. And also, you know, we were coming out of the Vietnam War, right. which had completely broken open the 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 idea that America was not was perfect and right. everything as long as you had your house in the suburbs and as long as you wore the white hat and you were the good cowboy then everything was good but, we weren't sure anymore right and the sexual revolution and and civil rights and all that kind of stuff i think really plays into the occult the other yeah otherizing. i i agree and yeah. I, and it's it you start to see it in other ways in like in the seventies when you have, and then the late sixties, I mean, we've talked about, there's a great documentary called the American nightmare yeah. that talks to Romero and Romero and Craven and Carpenter and some guys who very much coming out of Vietnam were like, this is fucked. Right. And really started to lean heavily into this, this mis- right. mistrust. But yeah, in the, the omen and exorcist and Rosemary's baby, 
Um, and even the Wicker Man. Is a little, the Wicker Man is a little, a little early. No, no, the Wicker Man is like seventy-two or something. Okay, like, that. like you start to see, yeah, this. Where it turns, turns. Yeah, yeah, it totally turns. I mean, and it's uh, it's funny because I mean I'm a think you are too. We're both are pretty big fans of The Conjuring, mm-hmm. which is a new move or newish movie, but takes place in the seventies. And it has that same theme. Right. The evil is witchcraft. The evil is turning away from God. God. Right. And, and again, specifically Catholicism. Um, and it's so, it's strange as someone who has turned away from Catholicism. I know. I, to you be know. so, in, I'm still so into these movies. I know. But you know, you, I mean, you and I have talked about it before where neither of us I stopped going to church you know as soon as I moved out of my parents house and and uh, uh, there's still um, that stuff is, is is difficult to get rid of I yeah. go I go home to family functions or whatever weddings or whatever right. and I know exactly it's been 30 freaking years yeah and I still know when to kneel down. Of course. I still know all of the words to all of the prayers and some of them have changed. changed. So I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah but I still, I still know where they come. Yeah. I still know when to turn and shake my neighbor's hand. I still know all of that. And, and I am still reverent of some of the ritual that and happens in the mass. Me too. And I think that is oddly, I mean, that to me is, is, I shouldn't say oddly, that is the power of the ritual of Catholic Mass. Right. Is that you and I who, I mean, I sadly, most of the time I'm in a Catholic church now is for, is for funerals, right. you know, um, as older relatives or whatever, and occasionally a wedding. It never goes away. It never goes away. Um, never goes away. And I think that's part, and I'm, I'm oddly, you know, although I have my own opinions about the, you know, church and religion in general, but I'm oddly defensive when people who did not grow up in the Catholic Church um, are super, super critical of it without knowledge. Yeah, me it. too. It's so weird. It's a weird thing. Like I'll, I will, I will take it to task constantly. But I am, I still am, I am. I'm still defensive. like, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not. Catholic and part of it anymore. is my, you know, <laughs> I mean, my, my, most of my family is still. You know? Yeah. And it's like... Me too. Kind of mocking my family, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, which is a weird... Yeah. yeah. It's a weird thing. So, yeah, I mean, The Omen... I, this is why... I think this is why we chose The Omen as the first movie that we would talk about because it still to it still affects me at a very young, Christy Yeah, me too. Way. And so this is something, maybe a more general question. You and I are clearly affected by The Omen, um, Conjuring, whatever the many, many movies. I am interested in, in the idea of like, are certain things universally, universally scary, right? Mm-hmm. I have said my wife, Aspen, who is often scared at horror movies, way more than you and I are, um, is not frightened of the omen at all because she feels so detached. She wasn't really, she right. wasn't raised in any sort of religion. Right. And she feels so detached from her. She doesn't dislike it. She's just like, I don't know this why you guys scary. are so freaked out. <laughs> um, that said is, is, is it just the religious connection that, that is scary about the movie to us? I don't, I mean, I, I don't have an answer. I'm just I wondering. Don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't have an answer either. I, I think to me, part of it is that things things that are ancient, 
things that have been around far longer than than we have, yeah. right? And suddenly are discovered again, and and we think that it's that 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 old you know art, literary thing, right? Where it's man versus nature, or man versus man, or man versus whatever, and things that are ancient that have existed before we came along suddenly coming back and us thinking that we can dominate them right. is something that freaks me out. I mean, we're eventually going to talk about it, but you know, the exorcist, there's, there's several sequences in the exorcist where, you know, he's in Israel, right? And that whole thing where the, the older priest, he, he walks up the mountain and he's face to face with that statue of Pazuzu, right? right? As a little kid, like it took me a long time. I mean, way into adulthood to realize, to kind of be curious and do the research of like, what is what that, is that, that statue? statue? Yeah. What does that mean? What does the little thing mean that he finds? But the notion that that is there embedded in this ancient rock, right. taking form as something recognizable to you and me is terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. Because it's been here Way, way longer than anything. It's been here longer than Christianity. Absolutely. Um, there are things we just don't know about. Should we know? Should about we them? know about them? Right. And it, it is uh, to go back to this idea of, of the thing that that society will demonize or literally demonize right. in, in in The Exorcist is because we are American or the Brits or whoever's making it is Christianity becomes the default, and so that ancient is evil. It's evil. Right. And and it actually, and I, again, I, I, I know I'm jumping around. Like, no, yeah. I love The Conjuring. I think it does some really fantastic. things really well. The one thing that bugs me about The, the Conjuring, um, it doesn't make me like the movie less, is like, there is like a serious anti-witch vibe. I know. And it's really fucking weird. Yeah, it super upsets me. <laughs> yeah, it it's, pisses, at, it, it pisses yeah. my wife oh, off. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, me and your wife are like <laughs> sisters in the, in the, in the coven. Yeah, that that kind of stuff super super and and for it to be a modern movie, even though it's set, set in the seventies, in the seventies, and it still has at the end an anti witch message, is is really upsetting yeah, to me. Yeah, it's it's a strange it's a strange thing. Yeah, I tend to to side more with the witches. Yeah, um, you know the other movie that does it. It's not it's not set in the seventies, but it's kind of like on the on the. I don't know, edge there, uh, House of the Devil, yeah, which is one. incredible, which is a, a 2000s movie. Made like an 80s movie. Made like an 80s horror movie yeah. that has also occult, you know, themes and stuff like that. And that has the same message at the end. Yeah. It's a very anti-occult, anti, you know, witch message. Right. And you'd think that now... Well, and now we have the witch. We have the witch, which so is, kind yeah. of redeems everything. But you know, I think I'm going to go back to it because it's just a classic and it's my favorite. I don't know if Rosemary's Baby so much has an anti-witch message. It the message is more like it's your decision. Yeah, yeah. It's Here's up where to it you. Is. Here's yeah. where it is. Like this is what this is. This is what this is. Right. This is the thing that gave you the thing you wanted most in mm -hmm. life. What are you going to do? You're its mom. <laughs> You're its mom, aren't yeah. you? Aren't you his mother? Yeah. You know, which is probably why I love um, that movie so much. And also 
another one of Roman Polanski. I know it's not PC to like Roman Polanski, but I'm a weird person and I can pigeonhole and compartmentalize things. That's, you can't deny Chinatown. It doesn't Chinatown. change the fact yeah. that it's a brilliant movie. Chinatown is, is a masterpiece, and so I'm not going to stop watching Chinatown. Sorry. Right. Um, I had this conversation last night. Oddly yeah, enough. I did too with, with uh, Carolyn Bainey. I, and, and Alex Organ about okay. Woody Allen and Roman Polanski, Polanski and all that stuff. But the other Roman Polanski film that also does that is Ninth Gate, which yeah. is also one of my favorites and kind of written off. And I fucking love that movie. Granted, <laughs> you know, it's not as great, as, but it's madness. And I, it is one of my favorite movies. And it also has kind of the same message at the end where it's kind of like, it's your choice. Yeah. It's your choice. He, you know... The darkness has actually been walking next to you this whole, whole time. time, and it's up to you to say, say yes it. or no. Yeah, and it's, uh, it is, I don't know, sometimes that's why, I mean, I know we were like, we're going to talk about The Omen, and now we've <laughs> mentioned 74 other right, movies. Right, which just means we're going to have to talk about yeah, that more in detail. Yeah, but it is what I, one of the things I love about The Witch is that it turns that, um, it turns that theme on its head, and, and right. it finally says, or not you know, maybe this is the thing that should have been embraced. And maybe, especially in, in the case of the witch, maybe this puritanical belief is, right. is, uh, you know, is that's actually that's the danger. Yeah. That's yeah. actually the danger. And not only, not only this is the thing that should have been embraced as kind of like, yeah, granted one of the witches does grind a baby at the beginning. Man, of the I'm not going to spoil anyway, whatever. She's got to eat. It's, it's, yeah, man, she's got to Um, but also, it has a very feminist. Absolutely, and I was going to bring this up. I'll, I'll throw this out. In in if we talk about movies, uh, The Omen, The Exorcist, The Conjuring, whatever. And again, these are all movies we're way into. When you take the sort of pro-Christian, or specifically a lot of times pro-Catholic, is that inherently a pro-male stance? Uh, yes. I, I'm just going to say I yes. agree with you. Yeah. Um, and I think if you look, there's something interesting that I thought about the omen last night and I've not really thought about before. Um, and maybe it's just, I'm not, I am not a parent. You are. So you might have a different take, but the idea I was like, I don't know why I never thought about this. I was like, this fucking dude mm -hmm. doesn't tell his wife. Yeah. That their baby died. Right. I thought that is so fucking crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. He doesn't tell her that their baby died. Not only that, later on in the movie, when she discovers that something is wrong with Damien, like just something inherently, and we'll talk about Lee Remick being like a little bit entitled rich lady. But sure. besides that, she inherently feels that there is some, intuitively, she feels that there's something wrong with his child, that there's something wrong with his relationship. Yeah. And Gregory Peck, he knows yeah. what it is and he dismisses it. We'll, we'll, we'll send you to a psychiatrist. Yeah. We'll send so you to a psychiatrist. Yeah, when you, She's not crazy. You know for a fact this isn't her kid. This isn't her kid. Yeah. And then... Finally, she says, hey, you know, I need to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, how's it going with a psychiatrist? And she's like, oh, I just feel really stressed. And he says, well, if this is what the psychiatrist is doing to you, then maybe you shouldn't go see him anymore. Yeah. I should go. No, she says, I should, I go, should go talk to him. Yeah. What is that going to do? Anyway, on top of that, she says, good, <laughs> because then we're in agreement because I'm pregnant and I don't want this baby. So she, you know, she drops on him this bomb that now she's pregnant again with their biological child. Right. And of course, him being a man, he's like, I want this baby because 
it's my biological child. Right. And she still doesn't know, but something intuitively is telling her, if I have this baby, Damien is going to fucking hurt her, this the baby. baby. Yeah. Right. And so she says, I don't want it. Right. I don't want it. And he still argues with her. He's still like, no, absolutely right. not. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're the... You you're, perpetrated this fraud on your wife. Yeah. You And never, never, it never tells her. Never, Even never after tells he's her. like, yeah. it was born of a jackal. And I'm not going to tell my wife I'm that we have this fucking what? jackal baby. Right. Yeah, and I, I, it, it really hit me last night for the first time. And I had not really thought about that. And then even thought like... Man, it, it, it was the, the 70s, which is, you know, in, in my mind, not that far gone. That I mean, I was... I, we were both little kids. Yeah, this movie, I looked up, this movie started filming in October of 1975, which is when I was born. So I am oh, wow. essentially, like, as old right. as Naomi. I was, I was five years old. When it... Okay. Yeah. And it came out in 76, so... Um, but I was like, man, even in the 70s was the medical profession like, the lady doesn't need to know. Right. She'll be, don't. She'll be what fine. What she doesn't know won't hurt her. She'll be fine. And the only other women, the only other women in the movie are either evil nannies <laughs> yeah, this or is, nuns. Or nuns. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Those are the only other women. The other, the other uh, important characters that that uh, drive the movie forward are all men. Yeah. Priests, Priest. a male reporter. Uh, the, the other Bugenhagen. The, the crazy priest at the beginning, yeah. pa- Patrick Trotton, and the other women are either uh, nuns, yeah, or nannies, and are keeping secrets as well, sure, or the nannies that are in league with the devil, right, right. So and, and yeah, Mrs. And the M- Rottweiler, which is probably a lady, probably a lady Rottweiler. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's. You know, even though it's still a great movie. Sure. And and I mean, we, you know, as, as we go through and talk about more and more movies, I do think it sometimes is important to have context and, and right. not necessarily write off, well, it was a different time, but actually acknowledge when the thing was made and, right. and what right. was going on. Um, this is a total side note and doesn't have anything to do with the movie. I was lucky enough. Gregory Peck came and spoke at my school. I love this story. When you I was in college. And I had heard sort of my you know whole life you hear like, ah, that's old Hollywood. Or he's right. got old Hollywood charm or she's got old Hollywood beauty. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, what the fuck does that mean? And he was speaking at this thing at night where you could pay a bunch of money and go see him. But he was really cool and came and spoke to the arts, everyone in the art school for free. Right. And I swear to God, the minute he walked in, I was like, oh, fuck, this is, that's yeah. what they mean. This is Gregory Peck. I have never seen a man with, or, or, sorry, I shouldn't say, anyone, man, woman with that level of, like, that presence mm-hmm. and that, I guess, the confidence that comes with being Gregory Peck. Like, right. Atticus motherfucker. Yeah, but you got to tell the story about what he said to that lady. Yeah, so this 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 woman, um, he took Q&A, he took questions, and he was old. This was only, a, he died a few years after. He took questions and this one woman raised her hand and she was probably in her 50s or 60s. And uh, she said, you don't, Mr. Peck, I'm sure you don't remember me. I was an extra in the bar scene in in a Western movie that I didn't recognize. And Gregory Peck, like without missing a beat goes, of course I remember you. You were the most beautiful woman on set. Oh, smooth. And this woman... (laughs) <laughs> like started to cry and laugh and like I've never and party's like uh whatever I was like I've 
it was amazing, and he pulled it off in a way that <laughs> yeah, was yeah. badass. Like if it wasn't, anybody else had it, done yeah, it, it yeah. wasn't sleazy. I was just like, oh damn, Gregory <laughs> um, still has the move. Still moves. fucking has it. It was so awesome. Um, and then my roommate high fived him because he was into that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was cool, and um, I. And he talked briefly about the omen, but it was, you know, obviously yeah. like just a, a one thing in, in a very, he had already had a very yeah. storied career by the yeah. time. Yeah. When he took this, we should say that, that the omen was not intended as a vehicle for Gregory Peck. And there's lots of stories that abound. One story says that Oliver Reed was the first choice. The one that I tend to go with because I read more is that they wanted William Holden for the Gregory Peck role and William Holden said no way Bill Holden also like old, old Hollywood, Hollywood royalty yeah. um, said no I'm not going to make this cheesy horror movie or whatever and Gregory Peck said I'll make it and he took a huge pay cut he was paid $250,000 but negotiated a percentage of the of the gross and the movie in that year alone grossed over 60 million which is ridiculous yeah. for that time and it was only made for like two or three it was right. really relatively low right and it turned out to be his highest paycheck in his career and then william holden <laughs> did omen 2 because he was like i want I'm a piece of that pie yeah. Owen too, or I was a teenage antichrist. Or... Right. With Lee Grant, another beautiful actress yeah. from the 70s, also named Lee. Lee, yeah. And I was talking, just like, one thing I love about, I think Lee Remick's great. And, uh -huh. um, she, she, the look of feet, like the stare down between her and, and Billy Whitelaw. Is it Whitelaw? Yeah. As uh, Mrs. Blaylock in the hospital, where it's just like close up of one's eyes, close, close up, up of the, the other, other eyes. Like, that's like, it's great. But uh, yeah, you had mentioned we sort of are thrown into this, not only just like world of white privilege, just insane privilege. Yeah. Right? Like she has a nightgown as like yeah. that I think costs more than my car. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, like the lace on her canopy bed alone. Right. right. She, you so, know, like a bunch of Italian ladies went but, blind <laughs> making like that so lace. Bad. And you said what? She has a photo of herself. She has a photo of herself on her nightstand. I always notice that when you know she's lying in bed. She's all, you know, tired from having run away from the baboons. And, uh, <laughs> like you do. <laughs> like you do. And it's in the shot. There's right. like a giant 8 by 10 of herself right. on her nightstand. It's crazy. And she's treated like a... The character, Peck's character, treats her like a, she's like a doll lady. Yeah. You know, she's like a fancy doll lady. And all she does is decorate the mansion yeah. and uh, doesn't have to do anything but, no. but uh, you know, be pretty and, and the wife of a diplomat. Right. Um, and, and she's, yeah, I mean, she's feeling weird because all this crazy shit has happened. But there's also a sense of like, ugh, of entitlement, like, take him out. Take him out of the room. I just can't stand that noise. Yeah, when he's, you know, when he's playing with when the When he's playing with the pool. pool. And, and stuff like that. Yeah, but at the beginning of and at the beginning of the movie when they're in the birthday party and you can see there's an exchange between her and the nanny before the nanny goes and hangs herself, um, where the nanny's holding Damien and they're taking pictures of him and you can see her kind of like, That should be me. Yeah. And she goes and she takes she takes Damien from the nanny and shoots the nanny a look like, Get out of yeah. here, nanny. You know? And then they try that. Yeah. Side note, I have a question. <laughs> Again, another thing that never hit me until last night. 
uh, at the birthday party, there's all these like reporters and photographers. And I actually turned to Aspen last night when we were watching it, and I never thought of this. But I was just like, is is being the ambassador to Britain that big of a I know. The only other birthday party that I've seen on film for a child that was anywhere close to what they do in The Omen is uh, in Mommy Dearest for Christina Crawford. Right. You know, yeah. that's ridiculous. But Joe Crawford was like a fucking super movie famous. star. Yeah. Right. And he was just like, I can't. Maybe this is more of a comment on me. But I was like, I couldn't tell you in a million years who the ambassador to England yeah, is. I couldn't care less. But, I should, but but I don't. Um, yeah, but I just thought that was funny. I was but like, I think it. maybe you know, I don't know if maybe that's also another statement on on. I, I, I don't know, even know if they were aware of it, but on on this couple's entitlement. Entitlement, yeah, yeah. And the, they are, like you said, they do talk about him like as the second coming, and that clearly. Gregory Peck is is in line. Important. He's in line to, to be, be the president. president. Yeah. You know, like they they hint at it. Lee Remick says, you know, something. This is yeah. Nothing is good enough for the future, future president. president. And he says, you're too sexy, sexy for, for the, the first lady yeah, or whatever, for the White House yeah. or whatever. You might be too sexy for the White House. Yeah. And yeah. then she throws her mink on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even own the house yet. Yeah. And, and they do it on the mink on in the mink. floor. On the floor. It's a lot like my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Except with tacos and and just tacos. Ta- just tacos. <laughs> just tacos. I couldn't finish that one. No, it's just tacos. Um, clearly, we've totally gone off the, the rails. rails with the omen, and perhaps like maybe we should plan better about what we're going to talk about specifically sure. with movies. But I think that this is a good introduction because we've kind of covered all the of kind things. of things that you and I like to talk, talk about, yeah. and how not just about the movie itself technically and whether the scares were good or the kills were good or stuff like that, but how horror movies specifically fit into the fiber of who we are as a society. Yeah. I, there was, uh, going back to that documentary, the, the American, American nightmare, there's a quote from Craven that I will probably misquote. I apologize. Um, where Wes Craven talks about why, young people and teenagers are obsessed with horror movies. I think he's probably talking about, you know, kids in the 80s or whatever, 90s. And he says he's always thought of horror movies as, as like, psychic boot camp. Um, huh. In that, as young people, uh, we like to engage in sort of being frightened by films because it helps us prepare for some of the horrors of life. And I always thought that was interesting. And I, I, I know... I say that from a point of having a, a pretty easy childhood and someone who didn't might be like, fuck you, dude. I don't need to watch Nightmare on Elm Street right. to be, know that the world is scary. Right. But I've always thought that it's there is... I am sort of incredibly interested in why you and I are in our 40s and still, like, we and watch this shit all the time. Like, all the time. Always want to be scared. Yeah. To the point now where it's... Where it's really hard. It's really yeah. hard for a film but to I'm scare still, us. Like we're still searching looking for, for it. it. It's so, like heroin. Yeah, yeah, right. It's that first time first you do heroin and it feels amazing, and so the rest of your don't life do heroin. Yet. Don't do heroin. <laughs> I'm not advocating heroin. Oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> no, no, no. But that rush, that feeling of like, oh, yeah, yeah. and it's it's now it's very, very rare that that happens, happens to me in a movie. I can, and I know you can too. Like sometimes we'll be watching a movie with our respective spouses. Yeah. And Mike and I will like called it five minutes. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. And Aspen and John will still jump out of their yeah. seats. Uh, you know. But it's yeah. So it's constantly sort of looking for that. Trying to 
resolve uh, our place and what scares us yeah. in the world. That makes total sense. It, yeah, I mean, I had a pretty easy childhood as well. I mean, when I was growing up, you're younger than I, but when I was growing up, maybe it was the same thing. The biggest fear, the biggest fear for, for, for people my age in the 80s when we were kids and in the 70s was nuclear war. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Russia, I mean, we're not that you know, far yeah. Yeah. And um, constantly, and I guess because the Catholic Church was so part of my upbringing and, and my identity at a time, I grew up across the street from a Catholic right. church. Nuns named me Michael. That's crazy. If I were, if I had been a boy, my name would have been Jesus. That's yeah. That's it's hardcore. nuts. Uh, it is hardcore. Um, so, so did you have I, sort of innate fear of going to hell. I don't know. Not anymore. Now I tend to. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, but yeah, at, when I was when a kid, younger, I did. Yeah, when I was too. younger, there was an like oh my choices or things that I believe or I think differently or, or, or even questioning Catholicism or what they tell you in catechism is you're going to hell. Yeah. You shouldn't have questions. That's the de facto. That's the de facto. You're going to hell. And now, as an adult, and for a while now, when I watch these movies that, as a youngster, really, really, really scared me because of the Catholic element to them, or even just occult stuff like The Witch or Rosemary's Baby or House of the Devil or whatever. Um, I tend to watch the movie through the POV of the villain. That's cool. It's really strange. Yeah. You know, and, and that happened recently with Rosemary's Baby, actually, where I thought, okay, I'm going to watch this movie through the eyes of, of John Cassavetes and That's see how I can follow, follow like, why he does, why he does what, what he does. does. You know, um, or, you know, even in, in, I mean, that the witch did that immediately. Sure. The witch did that immediately for me where I was sitting there and I was watching this movie. And from the beginning, I was watching it through the POV of, you know, uh, Thomason, who you don't, I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it, but. It's the, not necessarily the, set up that way. No, it's not. But like you. You immediately watch the movie through Thomason's eyes, not realizing yeah. that what's going to happen or where you're going to end up. And so by the time we get to the end of The Witch and that amazing closing shot, I was in a state of joy. Right. Like I was in a state of bliss. And you can ask Cameron Cobb because he was sitting <laughs> right next to me. I had a smile across my face like, yes. Yeah. Finally, someone gets what I've been secretly thinking my whole life, which is maybe, maybe I'm not Gregory Peck in the movie. Right. In the movie of my life, I'm not, Gregory, not Gregory Peck. Peck. Maybe yeah. I'm Damien. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, do you want to talk about the witch next week? Yeah, let's talk about the witch next week. All right. Uh, and of course, since we're going to talk about the witch, we'll probably talk about other witch Others. movies. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is great. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye.